I wanted to desperately continue in this space, but I couldn't do it if I didn't have financial um, investment or monetization. There was no investors that would give, like, I couldn't even dream of talking to an investor. I mean, we're talking, again, 2009, when access to investment or to loans, or et cetera, for us is very recent, and it's still less than 2%. You know? So it was a beautiful convergence of being in the right place at the right time with the right need. I did build out of necessity, right? I needed to create something and I needed to monetize because I did not want to go back. This was during the recession as well. And I had a baby at home and I did not want to go back to my producer life and seeing all these other women that also had incredible stories to tell were serving their own communities via the blogs that they were doing and knowing that for them to exist and for these stories to continue being told they also need it to monetize. You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here, we'll increase transparency around the netto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me bi-weekly as we cover stories with our community's front and center alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. No te lo quieras perder. Hola, hola. It's your host, Leanne. Today we are talking about Latina power and community building. We speak with the founder and CEO of We All Grow Latina, Ana Flores, who leads a digital and in-real-lifestyle community of impactful Latinas and Fem Latines who support and uplift each other. Their goal? To increase visibility and grow our social and economic power. The community started in 2010 and since has grown into a following of 250K plus and counting on Instagram, bringing people together in person from their last Founders events out west to their annual summit, which just made a return this year. I first attended their summit several years ago where I had the opportunity to meet Latinas growing businesses and spaces of their own from writers to life coaches and e-commerce leaders. All our mujeres I still follow and keep in touch with today. So in this episode, we speak with Ana about We All Grow's story, turning a profit in the non-linear story of building. No te lo quieres perder. Hello, Moneda Moves followers, and welcome as we enter the home stretch of 2022. I cannot believe we're almost at the end of the year. Today, we have an incredible guest to come share a little bit more about the We All Grow Latina Network, Ana Flores, who's founder and CEO of the We All Grow Latina Network, with a mission to elevate the voices of stories of Latinas through power and community. Welcome, Ana. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And I mean, really, the reason I wanted to have you is because when I think of people that are building the first in, um, I think of We All Grow. I mean, this is one of the first digital communities that brought sort of mass presence of Latinas in a virtual and physical space. So I definitely believe you have been a trailblazer. I was present as a volunteer, as I was telling you at one of your events just a few years ago, and it had staying power because the people there, because of the people, like you really like elevated the people. And so the people there were people that I was able to keep in touch with to this day. So I want to talk to you about community building, which is such a hot button topic nowadays, and you being like the first in your space for you to share a little bit more with us. But let's start with 
the most recent, because we're talking to you at the top of October of, the, of this recording. You just hosted your summit, Sanctuary of Joy. And I just love a little bit to hear a little bit more about the highlights from the ground and what that felt like. What was the energy like? Oh, it was like nothing we've ever experienced, honestly. I don't think I don't think we were prepared for it. I don't think we really understood the magnitude of we're calling it the container. Like it just became like a healing container. And, you know, you've been to the summit before. And I think you, you probably have also like noticed and seen the progression of the evolution of what we have become, where we started out with We All Grow Summit in 2015. The company started in 2010, but we were an influencer marketing. We were a Latina blogger network, the first one in the Latina Hispanic space. And really evolving from a conference that started, you know, for bloggers, really like to help bloggers grow and very focused on that type of conversation and connecting with brands, et cetera, to really now into our sixth summit, where it really is just about connecting, right? It's connecting. It's that sisterhood. It's that amigahood um, that we call it. Um, it is the recognizing the power of what happens when we are together and when we have a support system, when we have a magical web of amigas that are there to show up for us to also to believe in us, right? Because it is hard a lot for us, especially being the first, being the trailblazers, which a lot of us Latinas, um, you know, that's one of the things that unites us that we are many times the first in our families, the first to go to college, the first to graduate from high school, the first to start a business, the first to follow our dreams, right? So we often lack that support system in our household and within our family unit, within our friends, you know, um, inner circle. And sometimes we have to go out and look for that circle of support, of belief. And we truly, truly are passionate and believe and know um, the impact and the ripple effect we can have when we have those women around us and men, right, that are cheering us on, that say, yes, go after it, right, that validate that voice, that validate that dream. That's really what the summit is. And this year, um, we, like you mentioned, um, we always have a theme and this year it was Sanctuary of Joy. So the invitation that we, that we put out was to show, you know, to create joy in our life, to prioritize joy in our life, to allow joy to be something that we know that we are worthy of. Um, because there's so much that we, that we face as, as, as a community and as different communities that make up one community, um, that we often forget, you know, we're, we're in the hustle, we're in the getting things done, we're in the moving ahead, we're in the proving everybody. And sometimes we forget that in that process, we have to be able to bridge that process with, with joy and to allow joy in our life because or else why are we doing everything that we're doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to harp on before kind of moving to our next question, what you said that we're made of so many communities. And I think that that's been something that has been brought to the limelight, not just because we are made of many communities, but because current events have insisted that we talk about this, how like Latinidad is very prismatic and comes from different places, colors, socioeconomic status. I'm curious as to like how we all grow has evolved to kind of um, or how you kind of like maintain um, either or the the kind of structure of, of an organization that helps elevate these different voices that make up our community. Yeah, so it's it's such a such a topic, right? Latinidad and is Latinidad cancel? What is Latinidad? Um, we had several speakers. Actually, our main, our first keynote speaker at the summit this year was an indigenous woman, Odilia Diego, who has a, a nonprofit called Maicelo. and she is a Oaxacan woman who identifies first as indigenous, right? And that's what she wanted to make sure that we understood. She's like, and this is from phone calls with her, and I've interviewed her in the past, and. 
having her there and, and her conversation was that she's like, I am not Latina. Hmm. I am indigenous. Yet, I understand why, right? We use the term Latinidad to come together. It is a term that we've kind of like just brought as a way to, to us to bring together. But I identify as indigenous. I identify, you know, her as a Oaxacan woman. Mm. Um, and we had several speakers like that. Dr. Rocio Rosales Mesa, so she's a big speaker on decolonization. Mm. And she said the same thing. I am, I, she's Peruvian. She identifies as indigenous. Yet she's like, but I support the cause, right, of what you all are trying to do and bringing us together in this way. And I think the difference is that we're not trying to force, like, when we hear a lot of the term Latinidad is canceled, it's because um, you hear a lot, you know, conversations about, like, this is a way for colonizers to, like, bring us together, right? It's a colonizer term. Or it's just a government term to be able to, like, group us into one. Probably all of that is true. And there are so many things that we know as Latinas that bring us together. And it's very prevalent right now, more and more, the things that tear us apart, right? That we cannot deny racism, anti-blackness, anti-indigeneity, um, colorism, classism, xenophobia. I mean, all of that is prevalent even like if we go and step into like our a family dinner, right? Yeah. We know it exists. We know it is there. And we want to do and what we have always offered is we want to create a space where we unite via what we know that brings us together, right? Whether it is la comida, the music, the way we speak, the talk, the value systems that we have. And we want you to show up with your identity. Mm, yeah. So it's your identity is what we're going to honor always. Yeah, I appreciate that you that we all grow is addressing this question in a way that allows everyone to shine. Because when I think of like the term that you mentioned, Latinidad being canceled, I think back to this article in The Nation from 2019 that had an article around those terms. It just stuck with me. It was called The Problem with Latinidad. And it had these different voices where people talk about, you know, I'm not Latino. I identify as indigenous. I identify as Chicana or I identify as like particular region. But I think that there is something to be said about people's critique which I think to your point is valid about it, it like Hispanics being a term that that was imposed on us for political reasons but for us to reclaim that and um, take power from it and say like okay we come from all these different backgrounds how can we show up as our unique identities while at the same time leveraging this political and economic term for our benefit and so that 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 intersection yeah. See, that's the thing. When we when we take back the power and when we recognize that we have the power to change the narrative, right? that is when we actually empower ourselves. I don't like to use the, the term empowerment towards somebody else because who am I mm. to give you power? You already have the power. I can help you unleash that power and see it and recognize it and use it, but I'm not going to give you something because you're not lacking it. It's there. So, but I, I really believe in, in, in us taking back the power and in us shifting the narrative by proving what's possible. And that's what the summit and spaces like our We All Grow Amigas membership community does, where we're almost at 20,000 members, where it's 100% organic. We've never invested in advertising or marketing for it because we don't want you to just join to, you know, because you were served an ad or whatever. We want you to join because you recognize the value in it, because something drew, like, really drew you to it. And what's going to draw you to it is that which we believe makes up our Latinidad, that connective tissue, that web. And there's nothing more incredible than when we come together and when we realize all the things that actually bring us together and actually connect us. And that's where we have the true power. Yeah. When you say all of this, it just reminds me of like the cultural capital that lies within us and how you're providing the platform for people to really bring their value to the table and, and thrive on it. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about building, which is something that I can't think of a better person to talk to than you. You come from a background in blogging. You know this space inside out from an industry level, but you were uh, one of the first communities to build this kind of space for Latinas and started out, my understanding is Latina bloggers. So can you talk to me about like building a product, essentially building a space, a community, and being the first, how did you figure out, like, these are the people that understand what we're trying to put out there? How did you get to know your audience that who would become the We All Grow Latina members? You know, I'm going to be super honest. It wasn't like a business plan. It wasn't, um, you know, this big know-how and notion of exactly what I was going to do next, because there was no roadmap. And that's since I will own the trailblazing, right? Because it is hard to be a trailblazer. It is lonely when you're a trailblazer because there really is not a lot like of mentors that you can have or people that have really gone your path because a lot of it, it starts with the vision. And that's why I speak out a lot about um, honoring your vision, carrying your vision, protecting your vision as an entrepreneur, because usually it's also, you know, your why, right? So the why did you start? How did you always go back to your why? What was that vision? What was that motivation that started it? And for me, that motivation was really the community of other Latina bloggers around me. This was a time we're talking about when I launched my blog, it was 2009, Spanglish Baby. And it was for parents raising bilingual and bicultural kids. I've been a content creator. I studied TV production in college, have always worked in the, the Latino, Latinx media space. So I started out on Univision in Miami, worked at MTV Latin America from Mexico, moved to LA for Mundos, which is now NBC Universal. So creating content was natural for me. What I found was a place where we could democratize our voices, where I could actually like create what I knew I needed to read and consume and, and the community that I needed, I figured if I needed this, there has to be other, right? Women, parents, et cetera, out there that needed the same. And the big media companies aren't doing, weren't serving us, right? So once I did that, I started meeting other Latina bloggers. It was very few of us. This was before Instagram. We would connect via comment sections. So my motivation and my why at that moment was seeing that we all needed, I wanted to con- desperately continue in this space, but I couldn't do it if I didn't have financial um, investment or monetization. There was no investors that would give, like, I, I couldn't even dream of talking to an investor. I mean, we're talking, again, 2009, even access to investment or to loans, or et cetera, for us is very recent, and it's still less than 2%. You know? So it was a beautiful convergence of being in the right place at the right time with the right need. I did build out of necessity, right? I needed to create something and I needed to monetize because I did not want to go back. This was during the recession as well. And I had a baby at home and I did not want to go back to my producer life. And seeing all these other women that also had incredible stories to tell were serving their own communities via the blogs that they were doing and knowing that for them to exist and for these stories to continue being told they also needed to monetize. So that's when the idea of Latina Bloggers Connect came on. There were a few other, mostly mom bloggers that were creating these blogger networks and were connecting with brands. And a lot of them, and it's actually black women and white women that were the ones that opened the door to me and said, why, why don't you do the same thing that we're doing for Latinas? They were my first mentors. And that's um, when the idea of Latina Bloggers Connect came. And it was really just out of serving this, it, it was probably like 100 bloggers back then that it was really all of us. And that's why the motto came on board from the first day that was when one grows, we all grow. Because I wanted to make sure that if I was going to learn how to monetize my platform, 
and I was going to get those connections and those budgets, I wanted to make sure that we could sustain the community to do the same, right? Other bloggers to do the same. And then by virtue of that, the community was built. Yeah. And like you said, very organic. I think a lot of people listening could probably resonate with you because there's a lot of first builders in the Moneda Moves audience where they're just like, what blueprint? Who am I supposed to turn to and like check out their LinkedIn, see their trajectory and try to mimic? Oftentimes there is no blueprint for you to follow. So I do want to talk to you a little bit about your first investments. But before then, I take a look at your LinkedIn and the people that you surround yourself with. And I'm like, whoa, what a team The we all grow Latina team. Can you talk to me about how you found the right partners that you confided in and trusted to build this platform with? It has changed a lot. So I've had several partners throughout the life of the business. Um, we rebranded as We All Grow Latina Network in 2016. So I managed the company on my own for the first 10 months. And when I say like, literally, we had no money. It was just campaign that would come in, campaign that come in. The company is still self-funded. We don't have investors. All the revenue comes in from the brands and sponsorships that um, work that we do. All of it and tech revenue. But mostly it's brand and sponsorships. So I brought on board my first partner, Roxana Sarmiento. I believe it was 2016 for the first summit. And it was because by then, when we launched the first summit, I realized that I could just not sustain at all. I already had a team, a small team, and I think it was like two or three of us, and that the summit was going to require like full on attention. So that meant that I needed somebody to, to help with sales and manage sales. So she came on board. What I really could offer her was equity, was share. So that she was my first partner. And then Melissa Bailey, who was our event director for five years, came on board as our partner in 2017, which was a very crucial year for us because 2016 had been our most profitable year to date, um, you know, from 2010, 2016, a, a completely self-funded company. Our only funding had come from a few line of credits and a credit card, you know, American Express. Wow. I really believe in debt funding and we were always able to manage it. Right. But in 2016, we hit over $2 million in revenue, which was insane when you consider that, you know, I think the it's less than 1% of Latina owned businesses. I think it might have grown a little bit now, ever hit the $1 million revenue mark. And this one, you know, from zero to 2 million. So, mm -hmm. but the next year, 2017, we lost it all. And I almost had to file for bankruptcy. And it was one of those first moments that I learned, and I'm deviating a little bit from your question, but it was one of those first moments that I learned the big hard lesson that I need to always follow and listen to my intuition. Um, because my intuition had been telling me, and I even had written an email to Roxana, my partner at the time, a few, like a year before that said, gut check. I think we need to move away from influencer marketing. Mm. And but it was really hard to move away from because from from something that was your main revenue driver, right? When you had, back then I had a team of 12 women. So it was really hard to move, even though my intuition was telling me, how do you, how do you, you know, close that faucet when it really is what, what was delivering. But I knew that it was the industry had changed so much and that we just didn't have the passion for the industry and what it had become so commoditized, so transactional. And for us, really the heart was the community. So what happened was that when you don't listen to your intuition, especially as a business owner and in life, things are going to happen until you finally pay attention, right? And what happened was that we started losing all our, our clients were so big, we're such big multinational brands that they started taking influencer mar marketing in-house. 
And we started losing all of those clients just because they were, everything was going in-house. Everything was going in-house. So we faced a really difficult moment and I was going to close the company. And then that's when Melissa came and both Melissa and Vanessa said, you don't need to pay us. We will stay on board. We will rebuild the company together. And that's when Melissa came on board as a partner. Now, fast forward to um, 2020, another year of crisis. Roxana exited as a partner. And this, you know, I'm telling all these um, details because it's always interesting to know as you know, your listeners, as we're building that, we're always constantly as entrepreneurs shifting and pivoting and figuring things out, right? And how to sustain our businesses and, and what is the best model for the business at every moment. So at that moment, Again, almost phase bankruptcy. I thought we were going to have to close because we had to cancel the summit. And we were deeply indebted to the community for all the tickets, ticket refunds and sponsors and et cetera. So um, had to search different models. And Patti Arvielo, who's the founder, co-founder and president of New American Funding and one of the um, Latinas with the highest net worth in the country. You know, these are women who is a self-made woman with the right term of the word in the sense of not self-made that she hasn't had support, but that you know, she grew as an immigrant, what cleaning houses with her mom, you know, to making her first million at 26 in real estate mm-hmm. and then growing an, a mortgage company, right? It's incredible what she has built. So anyway, she came on board as my partner in 2020 and bought out both Melissa and Roxana and Melissa's still in the company. And she's still like, a, she's our VP of marketing and just, an incredible partner to me, to the company and everything. But now my part, our, our business partners are Patia um, Arvialo. It's not an investment by buy, buyout. She came in as a partner. And then we brought on board um, Vanessa um, Santos, who's our co- who came on board as my co-CEO. So almost you know, 12 years into the company, I also had realized that there's so many things that I need the company to continue growing that are not necessarily the skill set that I have. And I think it's very important for all of us to always recognize what is our idea, what is our skill set, because that is where we're going to be able to really shine and thrive and bring on board the right people that complement your skill set, that have the right skill set to where the next phase of your company needs to be. So I'm not opposed to having partners and to sharing, right, in the growth of the company and the hopefully the wealth of the company when we get there. And these are the right partners to have at this moment. I appreciate that you walked us through all of those intricacies and the divots and uh, like not seeing, I do feel like in mass media, sometimes we get this final result, pretty packaged with a bow Mm -hmm. on top, self-made company, founder, glossy cover. And so you sharing with us all of the troughs and peaks in between like really shows us that how non-linear this journey is. Like people say it, but it's not until you actually hear it, like to imagine to, to actually be in that position of like, wow, I might actually have to file for bankruptcy, you mentioned at some point, like that must have been really scary. I do want to ask because looking at your account, like your Instagram account, which is like your big, as I understand your biggest account of 251k, that's not something that I would have been able to deduce from looking at your account, all of that trajectory. But in terms, you talked about this gut check, this instinct that you felt. Talk to us about like how you've learned to like, check that against something physical, you know, like how, how do you help to say like this feeling that I feel in my gut, like it's right. Like, is it just about that like immaterial feeling or is it about, you know, having a, like a, someone to check you on this? Like, how do you, in such a lonely path, how do you learn to pay attention to your gut instincts? 
Yeah, that's a big question, right? Because you're constant, constantly having to understand which is that voice, right? So mm-hmm. for me, the most important thing is honoring it and protecting that container, right? The container being you. You are the container, the vessel to that voice, to that intuition. And how you honor, at least for me, how that shows up is that I really need to prioritize me and the how I am able to connect with that voice is by creating space for me. So that looks like being in nature, taking the time off when I need it. I really don't work on weekends anymore unless it's like we all go summit season, right? Like the month before. But I really, really honor that because I know that if I don't take the time off for me and I, as business owners, we are the vessel for the creation of everything that happens to the business. And I even see like, you know, I manage sales as well in the company still um, with Vanessa now, but like even approaching like the sales process with the client and everything like that is energy, right? That is money. That is an exchange. That is energy that is constantly being exchanged. And for a while I was mad at that. I was mad at the process. I was angry at it. Like how tedious is it? it is, you know, pitching a brand proposal, 10 months of proposal to then two months of contract. And then like, finally, and then, you know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a process. Mm. And then like realizing that even that, right? Like if you are not centered, if you are not in gratitude, if you are not honoring that space, then you are also blocking that abundance. So my intuition, I do have people that I go to as well to do the like gut checks around me. I have surrounded myself and have incredible friends that are wiser than I am, that are more connected than I am, that have special healing gifts or whatever it may be, right? That, that, that we can talk about certain things at a different level. Mm-hmm. And, and again, on, um, honing down in my practices that I know that do me well, um, whether that's breath work, whether that's like meditating. And mind you, I mean, you've interviewed lots of people. And when you read stories from the most successful people, entrepreneurs, the most successful, they all talk about meditation now, right? So there is something there. There is definitely something there why we need to be able as entrepreneurs to have more of the conversations of what might be called like the soft skills, which are actually the ones that I think we need to pay even more attention to because when moments, tough moments that are gonna come for all of us come like having to face bankruptcy, having to face a big pivot, having to face a recession or whatever it may be, what are the tools in our toolbox that are we're gonna rely on as our strong foundation to keep us going, right? To keep us, to, to allow us to face everything, to dig into the courage, because it takes a lot of courage to take big risks. It, take a, it takes a lot of courage to listen to your intuition. It takes a lot of courage to trail, you know, to blaze through a trail that nobody has before and to and to continue honoring your vision. Yeah, it, it sounds soft, perhaps, to, to the ears of people that haven't walked those roads. But it, it is a spiritual journey, at least from what I gather from the people that I've interviewed. Um, and what comes to mind is... Uh, what Brittany Chavez, founder of Shop Latinx, told me when I interviewed her, mm-hmm. which is that like when she received her first major investment, she was like part of that was going to therapy because I'm part of the product that makes the circus run. And so I, I found her candor very important during that interview. Yeah. I do also want to ask you, though, because you mentioned that you didn't come up against like physical hard money investment until recently. Can you talk to us about like that first time that you had investment? How did those conversations go down? So I've never uh, I've, I, we don't have investment. We've never received investment. I've had many acquisition offers mm. from well-intentioned men. <laughs> but I've never, never I've considered many, but we've never gone through with any of them. 
the Patty coming on board, she hasn't invested in the company. She bought out shares. I see. Right? So that money didn't come in as investment to the company, but came in to buy out the partners. Um, so it was an investment in that. They received that. Um, the company itself is still self-funded. What we have access to now, thanks to Patty's network and net worth, is access to bank loans, et cetera, at much better terms. And it's really hard for a service-based business to get bank loans because we don't have collateral. Got it. Right? Yep, so yep. we don't have real estate, inventory, et cetera. So it's very difficult for service-based businesses to get loans. And what happens is that when you don't have collateral, you have to put in a personal guarantee. So when I was talking about bankruptcy, having to face bankruptcy, it was actually personal bankruptcy because everything financial for the business, at the end of the day, even though it goes under the business account, is tied to you as a personal guarantee. And I talk about this a lot because I don't think as entrepreneurs, we're not taught this part of the business enough, right? That you do, at the end of the day, you're always putting your own livelihood at risk with the business because most of the things is tied to your personal finances. If you're ever going to go down like the, the bankruptcy route, no. So it's it's just, it's something that I learned having to face it. So investment, as far as um, sitting in a room with investors, we actually haven't done it. We have decided that that's not the route we want to go. And if we do go an investment route, it would be an equity crowdfunding investment route so that we can actually make the community part of our investment. I am a true believer in, in ownership and us continue to own our businesses. And I love that we have access to funds and that VC funds um, and angel investment, everything that we haven't had before. And people like Brid and like so many others that are dear friends of mine that have gone that route and they're doing incredibly well, but that's not the only route. And we have to be careful that that becomes glamorized and that we know what is, we know what is the risk level that we're each capable of taking. And the moment that we bring in investment, it is, you are losing ownership, right? You are losing ownership and you are reporting you have stakeholders that then you start, you know, the company, for me, the company, because it is so mission driven and we're not a nonprofit, though many people think we are, because we are so mission driven, our stakeholders are the community. And I want that to continue that way as long as we possibly can <laughs> and eventually, you know, eventually get it to a point where when there is an acquisition offer, it is going to be the story that we need um, to be told for Latino entrepreneurs. And thank you for drawing the distinction between that because I did see that Patty had, she so she acquired 50% majority stake mm -hmm. in We All Grow because I see that like through the press wires. Can you break it down for us? Like what does that mean in terms of involvement in the company if somebody's not investing versus somebody uh, acquiring a stake in the company? Yeah, so in this case, because she was acquiring a stake in the company, she was acquiring share, um, shares that didn't belong to the company, right? That belonged to two partners. So mm -hmm. the partners each individually sold their shares to Patty so that she could come on board as a 50% uh, um, owner. Plus I gave up some of my shares so that we could be 50-50. Mm -hmm. The reason why in this case we decided for it to be 50-50 was because it was a lot to do because of the resources that she is providing to us. So we have to understand that uh, financial resources are not the only resources that drive a company, right? There's so many other resources that come come on board. One, from having her mentorship, two, to having her network. We, our payroll, our HR, our benefits are all managed by her company. 
see. which is a company with 4,000 employees. So it, that's, it's, it, there's so many other ways to make, to broker deals that will bring, right, that support, financial support and other different types of supports that um, the companies need to grow. Yeah, no, and that's that's incredible because you're you're able to talk about a different way to build a company and bringing on someone mm-hmm. with power, somebody who's self-built, who's navigated these roads, but also has the resources, it sounds like. And I'm seeing she's also mm-hmm. still co-founder of her own company, New American Funding. So all of that is, is incredible, incredible partnership there. I also want to talk about just resources that Latina business owners need at large. Certainly, you've traveled these roads. You know what are the things that we need. But when it comes to looking at these stats and looking at the fact that when it comes to specifically VC investing, which we just talked about, it's not the only way to fund, but that being at 2% levels, and then that contrasted with there being over 2 million Latina-owned business owners, like clearly we need a, we need a structure to help us track uh, towards growth at a faster rate. What are some of the things that you believe these entrepreneurs need in order to kind of uh, help set them on a fast track uh, to be successful? So because I am the sole centered entrepreneur, I I am, I'm going to start that. And even aligning with what Britt told you is that we need, we need healing, right? We need to start first. We we need to definitely understand that the old business model doesn't apply to us 100%. And that if we try to knock down those doors to repeat the same model, we're definitely going to phase burnout. And we're probably going to phase a lot of walls. So we need to hone in into what it is that what is the type because systems are shifting and systems are changing. And we're seeing that in so many different ways, right? From like political systems to um, familial systems to, I mean, all of our systems in in, in the world are asking for a change. And we're seeing it so much more in the last two years, which was what has been happening in the workplace that started because of COVID, but really it was brewing much, you know, much, much longer than that. So in the workplace, people are asking for a different way to work, right? The hustle mentality isn't really the mentality that we want. So as business owners, they think first we need to really understand what is the type of business model that I want to nurture, that I want to put out into the world, right? It doesn't have to be the traditional way that we have been doing business. So this is almost like an invitation to allow yourself to create right what feels right for you what feels right for the team that you want to build. There's many things that are never going to change as far as like the output has to be there, right? There, there's revenue that has to be built. There's goals that have to be met, et cetera. But how we build the systems from within and the culture from within really has to always be connected with your vision, with your why, with your values. So I would start with that. And, and we can't even connect with that unless we are healing from within and knowing that we are the ones that are that are moving forward forward what that business is going to look like and even how we want to deal with our business partners with clients etc like how do we want to put this out in the world how do we have an opportunity to make a change and because we are the ones that are starting businesses at a higher rate than any other cohort then we also have a responsibility of what we want this new business um, framework and culture and environment to look like we need funding i mean we absolutely 100% need funding because we will get it done. We have always gotten it done. 
we've always hustled, we've always worked, we've always figured out a way to traer los pesitos a la casa. We're going to continue doing that. What has changed now is that there is more access to starting businesses with low funding, right? So we've already been doing the work while being over, um, underfunded and while being underrepresented, right? And lacking opportunities. Now we have we're able to launch a podcast, we're able to launch a business and with an e-commerce side and go directly to consumer. I mean, so many of the walls and the ceilings that were there for us are not there anymore and we have recognized them and we are utilizing those tools to get ahead and to launch our businesses. So we're able to launch. What we need now is support to grow, support to scale. So that needs to look like, you know, where are the opportunities Like for me, the opportunity came from another Latina introducing me to Patti Arvielo, right? Like somebody opening a door and doors being open are all there. But Patti was interested because she saw the summit. She wanted to come in 2019. It was sold out. She didn't know me, so she didn't want to ask me, but she was still like, I want to go to that summit, right? So continue building because you never know who's seeing, who's paying attention and continue building with ethics, with values, with morals, with love and what you do and making the right relationships and the right network. Your network is really your net worth and you really have to nurture that network in every way you can while showing up with your product, with your service, with your business in the most professional and polished way, but not with the mentality of like, I have to hustle for scraps because we are meant right now to really thrive. Yeah, I would even take that further to say like the limelight is on us right now, more so than at least, I mean, certainly... I have seen in years past. Uh, I mean, I've been writing about Latinos and money since 2015, and and back then you you actually did have to <laughs> pitch around and see who would take your story. But then that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. We are in the limelight, and we do have some agency there. So I like that you talk about culture and and starting with what kind of world do you want to build, and then how is your business going to help address it? Because mm-hmm. these are the stories that several years down the road, when they talk about the Latina founders and what tone they set for the trajectory, they're going to be referencing all the building that's happening right now because there's there's such a massive entry uh, with the lowering of the barriers, to your point, for e-commerce, for all these kinds of digital businesses that is happening right now. And and just one more thing that I'll reference to We All Girl, like I met Jen Ziano when I went to your summit yeah. uh, several years ago from JZD. And now to see her in Target this year, like that growth is happening in real time. And it almost feels like history is happening in real time. And we have the power to set the tone on how those stories are going to be told. So that is a like massive position of power that I, I think is definitely something new. Oh, those are the stories that excite me the most. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. all in your community too. So uh, this year I noticed you also kicked off programming that I'm super excited about, which is uh, Las Founders, Martinero, like all revolving around these very topics, right? Like so entrepreneurship for Latinas, people getting a hold at the micro level, also of their personal finances. I saw you collaborated with one of our favorites, Julian Mataveras uh, from Investing Latina. Um, talk to me about how this fits into your overall strategy for where you're taking We All Grow. So the beauty of what has happened with the community in the past three years, I'm going to say, is that we're no longer just the blogger community or just the content creator community, the influencer community, which I really try not to use that word, or the um, the entrepreneur community. We are really a community of Latina women that are just getting things done, whether at work, whether um, launching businesses, whether, you know, activists, artists, et cetera. 
Um, that's you know really what unites us is the passion that we have and what our three pillars are, which are heal, commune, and grow. Right? So where the offerings that we have now as far as events, virtual events, and in-person events is that we're trying to address the different needs that our community lets us know that they have. So whether, you know, that is building generational wealth. So um, when JP Morgan Wealth Management approached us, we immediately built out a campaign with them to bring in Amigas and Wealth. Um, and is we have to do it through these partnerships, right? But uh, we, we really focus on working with the brands to align them to make sure that their business goals are met, but that first it is something that will bring value to the communities. Right? So we're always centering like, okay, we will partner, but what are we going to offer either inspiration, education, opportunities, network, grant money. It has to be something that it's going to provide value to us. Last Founders really came out of the opportunity of knowing that entrepreneurship is so big within our community and that it's not only the women that have launched businesses, but those that have the dream to do it. Because most of us start with the side hustle, right? Start with the side the side gig, which is an excellent way to launch a business and support yourself financially while you're, while you're building momentum. Less Founders was our first year and it was such a huge success that we're definitely bringing that one back. And then I think really what was driving all of this was that we all grow summit because it is no longer and hasn't been for some years now, the influencer um, conference. We really wanted to make sure that the space and what we offer there addresses more the every woman, right? So that's why we have a lot of heel sessions, a lot of workshops that are a little bit more broad and not so no, not so niche into just entrepreneurship, just activism, just et cetera. And that's why the invitation was something that connects us more, like more of a connecting tissue like joy invitation to connect over joy. So the summit is going to maintain itself more as this connective tissue overall of what binds us together and not so much the niche skill building. Um, it's more the personal development. And then we have different opportunities to connect via our Amigas, virtual sessions that we have, workshops and heal sessions and mentor sessions every week. And these in-person events that we're going to also continue building throughout the year that are going to be more targeted so that you can always find like that space where you belong or that next learning or networking opportunity that you're looking for. Yeah, and definitely feels like a community, like a village, and you have your different houses for different houses of parts of our lives. If you could go back, this is a very typical question, but I think it's a revealing question sometimes too. If you could go back to younger Anna and tell her one of the biggest money learnings you've had today, what would you tell her? Oh, to take risks and start investing early. I love that. Anna, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing more about We All Grow. We're so excited to share this with our audience and uh, to see the rise of more We All Grow events. Likewise, I love seeing your growth. Super proud of you. I mean, you were a volunteer in the summit and, you know, even being a volunteer in the summit is a big risk to take, right? And financial risk and everything because you don't really know what you're going to get out of it. So I hope that it nurtured a lot in your life and, and we're going to continue cheering you on. It absolutely did. Thanks so much, Anna. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and money moves via our free newsletter written by yours truly at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.